Isaiah 2.3 And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you, because this verse just 2,700 years old, has come true. It has been true for 2,000 years. It is true today for us. Lord, we are the people. We are the people that you have chosen and that you have called, that you have summoned and drawn to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple, who is Jesus. Lord, we are here and you have saved us. Use your word to teach us your ways Show us how to walk in your paths. Open our eyes, open our minds and our hearts to see wonderful things in your law so we can bring glory to your son. And we ask all this in his name. Amen. Well, welcome to Bible Lab, my friends, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how every page points us to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thanks for joining me. So we're going to begin an exploration today of the book of Ephesians. Now, I didn't mention this on the first episode, but one of the uses that I envision for this podcast is to accompany a Bible reading plan. My own church is reading through the New Testament this year, and I would love to hear and see how people are using this podcast to help them and encourage them to keep reading. But even if you don't go to my church, even if you're not using a Bible reading plan right now, I hope that this podcast is a resource for you to help you grow in your understanding and your love of God's word. So the way that we will do this is that, as we mentioned last time, our two excellent resources, what the New Testament authors really cared about and the story retold, these authors have identified certain themes that run through every book of the New Testament. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore those themes. And so I don't want to pretend for one second that I have seen this, that I have come up with this. Uh, I am using the material that they have created and shaping it and hopefully delivering it in a way that benefits and blesses you. But I want to give full credit to these amazing authors for these incredible resources. We truly are blessed to have all of these resources at our disposal. So without any further ado, let's jump into this first theme in the book of Ephesians, and that is angels and the fracturing of humanity. Now, there are a lot of great concepts in Ephesians, but I think one excellent way to sum up the book of Ephesians in one word would be unity. As you read through Ephesians chapter 1, you'll note this theme of cosmic unity in Christ, how all things are found in Christ, how Christ is unifying all things in himself, reconciling all things. In chapter 3, the topic of ethnic unity, or my apologies, chapter 2, ethnic unity between Jews and Gentiles as Christ has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. In chapter 5, we see domestic and, and vocational unity as husbands and wives and slaves and masters are commanded to live together in unity. And Paul's commitment to unity flows out of his understanding of the storyline of the Old Testament. Now, you're going to hear me say this a lot on the podcast, but in order for us to understand what Paul is doing in Ephesians, we need to go back to Genesis. 
We need to go back specifically to the Tower of Babel. And what Paul wants to show us is that the splitting of humanity at the Tower of Babel had a ripple effect throughout the entire cosmos. So I want to read this story to you. It's a story I'm sure you've heard before. I want to read to you Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain and land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, the name was called Babel, because the Lord had there confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, as we read on in the biblical story, we come to Deuteronomy. And what Deuteronomy shows us is that when God divided mankind at the Tower of Babel, he divided them according to language, but he also set angelic overseers. Now, one of the things that we have to understand in Ephesians is that Paul is writing to a church that their origin is steeped in the occult. The people of Ephesus were well acquainted and were often concerned with and thinking about the unseen world, angels and demon and, and, and magic and all things of this nature that we as 21st century Americans quite simply do not think about. The unseen cosmic realm would have been something sort of on their mind constantly. And so this would have sounded right to them. So Paul wants them to understand that when God divided humanity, it's according to language and according to angelic overseers. And what Deuteronomy says is that these angels are charged with ruling over humanity, over the various nations on God's behalf. So Deuteronomy 32, 8 says, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, in this verse, sons of God is another word for angels. So God apparently set angelic overseers over these nations to manage them and to report to God. And one of the roles of these, it seems, evil angels, right? These are not Michael and Gabriel. These are the, the wicked fallen angels that God has set over fallen mankind. One of the roles of these angels is to keep unbelieving nations apart from one another, to keep them at war with one another, to separate them, but not Israel. Israel is not ruled by good angels or evil angels. Israel is ruled by Yahweh. And Israel has an intimate relationship with God, and they don't need angelic mediators. Now, Israel is both ruled by Yahweh and commissioned to rule on Yahweh's behalf, same as these angels. And these angels, much like our ancestors Adam and Eve, instead of ruling well on Yahweh's behalf, they sought to become powerful by attempting to be the source of power and authority themselves. And this is where the nations get idolatry, idolatrous traditions and customs as they worship Zeus or Chemosh or any other Baal, these false gods. This is 
angels leading people astray away from God. What Paul understands, what the Old Testament teaches, is that division and fracture among the nations will not prevail. And in the Old Testament, there is a longing, a deep longing for the day when groups will live in harmony with one another. The verse that we opened with, Isaiah 2.3, speaks to that deep longing. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Another prophet, Zechariah, in chapter 2, verse 11. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So not just the people, but even creation itself. There's a longing in the Old Testament for creation to dwell in harmony as it did back in the garden. Isaiah 65, 25, a verse, a phrase that I'm sure you've heard often. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain says the Lord. And what Paul explains in Ephesians is that now that Christ has come, all of creation is beginning to get to experience the end time unity in Christ. So are we experiencing the full breadth and depth of this unity that Christ has purchased? No, but it has begun because in Christ, Babel has been reversed. We now, and I'm not speaking about literal human languages, but if you even think about on the day of Pentecost, when all of these people could understand one another speaking in these different languages, just a hint that the division, the fracturing of mankind will not last. It will not stand. And in Christ, Babel has been reversed. And the divisive work of Satan's evil angelic powers have been thwarted. Now, this is taught in Ephesians. And it's in some ways even more clear in Colossians. Now, Colossians is a smaller city, or Colossae is a small city near Ephesus. And Paul wrote Colossians and Ephesians likely at the same time. And so we see many of the same themes or similar themes pop up. But Colossians 1, 19 through 20, it says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This unity that Christ has, it extends to people groups, Jew and Gentile. It extends to social structures, master and slave, employee, employer, parents and children, husbands and wives, rich and poor. And it even extends to angels. Ephesians 1.10 says that as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Christ brings healing to the disharmony within humanity and the disharmony within the cosmos. It has begun. It is ongoing. Is it complete? No. We still long for the day when Christ will return and he will truly bind up our wounds. He will truly bring about unity. But do we not get to see this now? Do we not get to see this now in our churches, and our relationships, as people who were fractured and divided from one another are now brought together to love and serve and forgive one another? All believers are now finding their unity in Christ. And our hope, our prayer, our work 
is aimed at more and more people, more and more people groups experiencing this unity in Christ that will be completed and perfected when he comes. So when we return for our next episode, we'll take a look at the second theme in Ephesians, Israel's promised land and the new creation. But for now, take up and read, my friends. God bless. God bless.